Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Pastor J.D.'s prophecy updates in recent weeks have been filled with medical terminology, socio-political topics, and other highly emotional information. In today's update, he wants to reassure you that no matter what, if you belong to God, your future is secure in Christ. Even as this world passes away, eternity awaits. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's prophecy update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly prophecy update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor JD with today's prophecy update as shared on August 23rd, 2020. I want to talk with you about what I would do if I were the devil in 2020. I'm not the devil, <laughs> contrary to what some people have accused me of, but I've uh, been called worse, I suppose. But doubtless you're familiar with Paul Harvey and his If I Were the Devil, recorded back in the year 1965, which was 55 years ago. I've listened to it many, many times over the years, and as I listened to it and read through it again this last week, I was struck by two prophecies that I see as being fulfilled in the year 2020. Actually, they both tie in together, the first of which is that of the subverting of churches. And the second, which is the deifying of science. I would suggest that COVID-19 is the proverbial final nail of science in the coffin of the church. And as Paul Harvey says it, that's the rest of the story. For evidence of this, one need look no further than to this Christian Post article on Thursday about how 2,700 evangelicals are warning against politicizing the coronavirus and urging Christians to take the vaccine. Here are a few quotes. A coalition of more than 2,700 high-profile evangelicals spanning the fields of science and religion 
have signed onto a statement build, a Christian statement on science for pandemic times, which warns against the politicization of the new coronavirus and urges Christians to take appropriate action against it, including taking a vaccine when it's ready. The article goes on to quote from the statement. They say, and I quote, we call on all Christians to follow the advice of public health experts and support scientists doing crucial biomedical research on COVID-19. The statement comes in the wake of the fragmented response in the Christian community to the coronavirus, which has fed skepticism about how it has been handled and challenged advice from public health officials on issues such as the wearing of masks to stem the spread of the disease. A vocal minority of churches also spoke out against calls from federal and local government authorities to close their churches amid the new coronavirus pandemic, risking fines and arrests. On the reopening of churches, signers of the statement agree that Christians need to balance God's call to meet together with God's call to protect the vulnerable among us. That's tricky. The statement acknowledges that the economic losses and social hardships of the pandemic are painful, and thoughtful Christians will disagree on how to balance those needs with health needs. Nevertheless, it urges Christians to wear masks, get vaccinated, correct misinformation, work for justice, and pray. Oh, thank you for throwing that in there. Also last week, Fox News quoted Microsoft founder Bill Gates saying that the United States fumbled its coronavirus response in part because, quote, we believe in freedom. The billionaire's comments were in regard to questions about some Americans' seemingly politicized aversion to wearing masks and the country's slow initial response to COVID-19 in an interview with The Economist. It should be noted that the politicized aversion to wearing masks under the banner of 
loving freedom and pushing back on the science is right out of their playbook. Namely, a publication from the Rockefeller Foundation and Global Business Network that was published 10 years ago in May of 2010. It's titled, Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development, and we covered this in depth on June 7th, and that video of that update is online. Specifically, pages 18 and 19, under the heading of lockstep, quoting, a world of tighter top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. Growing citizen pushback. This was already scripted 10 years ago. You can read pages 18 and 19 of this report presenting this scenario of a pandemic, an outbreak, interesting, originating out of China. Oh, how convenient. Listen, I I may be stupid, but I'm not that stupid. It's also right out of the script, and it's a script, of Event 201. This was an event that was held in New York City on October 18th, 2019, weeks before the coronavirus crisis. It was a high-level pandemic exercise simulating a global outbreak modeling what they called a fictional coronavirus. You can actually go to centerforhealthsecurity.org and watch the videos of the simulation. It's a roundtable discussion with all the experts, all the public health officials, and they're talking about this, this outbreak, this pandemic, this scenario, and what they would do. I actually watched portions of it. It's hours and hours long. I don't recommend it for the faint at heart. It's very chilling because it is precisely what we're seeing today. I mean down to the gnat's eyebrow. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. They're very small in terms of detail. Example, Misinformation on social media. Here's how we're going to deal with that. Uh, Communication to the media for the narrative. How we're going to deal with that. Pushback from Americans and citizens who will have their freedoms taken away, i.e. the mandating of a face mask. Their words. Social distancing. Their words. 
Surveillance. Even the photo, I guess it's on the uh, Rockefeller Foundation, uh, lockstep, the lockstep page, cameras pointing in every direction. The surveillance, the artificial intelligence, the facial recognition. When you fly into the Honolulu International Airport today, as many of you, maybe some of you have, now they are able to read your temperature. And how many places will you go into? Some of you, it's your workplace. And what are they doing? Oh, it's a pre-programming, a preconditioning, a preparing you, desensitizing you to that which is coming next. What do you mean? Think about this. They have these uh, forehead thermometers. I read a report, very interesting. Uh, I didn't really have the time to research it further, but it is very compelling because they suggest that just the very reading of your temperature pointed at your forehead reaches the pineal gland. Do you know about this? This is that part of your brain that you make a spiritual connection with God through Jesus Christ. That's the way God wired our brains. And it's being suggested that by pointing this device and scanning, it can actually have an impact on that part of your brain. Uh, one uh, online member sent me a, an email, and they said that when they go in and they stick that thing, they grab their hand and they put it on their wrist. And here's the thing, you can actually get a better and more accurate temperature reading on the wrist than you can the forehead. So why the forehead? It's all a pre-programming. I, I was actually thinking about this this morning. Uh, I may, if the Lord uh, leads me to, I actually already have a lot of information that I've archived in this regard, but I'm actually praying about and thinking about doing an update on pre-programming. You know the movies you watch, the television programs, the Netflix series, even the kids' cartoons. It is all pre-programming. And I mean it is so specific. There's one Netflix cartoon for kids where they actually take the smart mark. And if you don't have the smart mark, and they send messages through to those who have to turn in and turn on those who don't. Oh my goodness. Again, suffice it to say, this is exactly what we see happening today. And who knew? God knew. <laughs> Churches today are being bullied into bowing at the feet of public health experts and scientists. And you know what's sad? It's working. 
It's working. What the devil has set about to do, however necessary, has been done in large measure. How? By muzzling and closing and silencing the church. If you'll kindly allow me to, I would like to start by reading from the transcript of this epic and even prophetic word fitly spoken by Paul Harvey titled, If I Were the Devil. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, thee. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first, 55 years ago. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. (laughs) That's not a word we don't use anymore. And the old, I would teach to pray after me. Our Father which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. (laughs) Seems pretty organized to me so far. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting, so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with the promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs 
and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon, I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and, listen, deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. 1965. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on the TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public, and I could lure, lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words... If I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Fifty-five years ago. Let's fast forward. Please know that I in no way wish to posture myself as someone who would rise to the level of the late Paul Harvey. I seek only to update this, if I were the devil, in 2020. If I were the devil in 2020, as the prince of darkness, I'd want to use a global deception to engulf the whole world in darkness. To start, I would set about a scheme that would ultimately take down the United States. I would use whatever means necessary to shut down the churches first, but keep abortion clinics open. If I were the devil in 2020, I'd soon have families, churches, pastors, Christians, police, politicians, cities, and nations protesting, rioting, fighting, and warring with each other so as to devour and destroy each other. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. 
Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.